The story goes something like this, that there was a, an old couple who lived out in the country, and, and they had been married for 65 years, 65 years to the day, and, and they were going to spend the day at their house, on their porch, drinking iced tea and just relaxing and enjoying life together. So the husband was out there on the porch swing, and his wife went in to get a cup of cold iced tea to bring out to him. And they'd been married for a long time. They had done this many, many times together. And she comes, and she sits beside her husband. She hands him the iced tea, and she says, Honey, I love you, here on their 65th wedding anniversary day. And over years, they had shared love back and forth together, but some things had changed over the years. He couldn't hear as well as he could before, and he said, huh, what did you say? And she said, honey, I love you. He says, what, what did you say? And the third time she said, honey, I love you. And without skipping a beat, he said, well, I'm sick of you too. <laughs> it's amazing the things that we can kind of hear, but we don't really get the whole thing. A lot can be missed in the communication of what's going on around us. And, and I'm afraid that sometimes we can miss a great truth and we can be presented with it over and over and over again. And maybe become, it becomes so familiar, we may even have it memorized, but it may not make its way into the way we live our life. Last week we started this little mini-series entitled Encounter Jesus. And, and this is one of those things that I think we have talked about, we've been around, we've taught on, we've facilitated groups and discussing about, but are we really encountering Jesus in a way that is a relationship with him? Do we even know what that means? As our choir was singing this song, just as I am, it it came to my mind uh, the first time that that song uh, was made famous in my heart. I was at a Billy Graham crusade in Denver, Colorado, and uh, a couple things were happening for first for me. I was at the Mile High Stadium where the Denver Broncos play. It was sacred ground, but not like it was on that day. And I was kind of perplexed that here this football stadium could be set aside for a church service and a place where you can get nachos and cheese and jalapeno peppers could also be the place where you could have church. I just thought, this is amazing. There's something to be had here. And, and I was sitting there kind of lost in all that thought and hearing the very simple message that Billy Graham gave about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And while I, I kind of heard it, I think I missed the whole thing of what Billy was trying to say. Because when he said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? What I thought was, have you made a personal decision to love Jesus? And there is a part of a relationship with Jesus is about making a decision. And you know what? Your parents' decision for Christ is not your decision. Your kids' decision for Christ is not your decision. Your family members, your co-workers, your friends' decision for Christ is not your decision. But a personal relationship with Jesus is a whole lot more than just a one-time decision. Or if you've been a part of our tribe for a while, it's a whole lot more than just two-time decision. It's more than just one or two trips to the altar. It's more than just one or two times that we come to acknowledge him. But there is this relationship that scripture talks about and the whole need for Jesus in our life. Now last week we talked about this encounter with Jesus. I really would want to use the word relationship, but I think we kind of wore that out. So I'm borrowing this word encounter with Jesus. And we talked about encountering Jesus the Lamb last week. And remember we saw Jesus the Lamb was provided for us. Jesus the Lamb was 100% pure for us. Jesus the Lamb was perfect. And this opened up this encounter or this relationship we can have with Jesus. But it's, it's more than just making a decision. There's something implied that can and should happen on a daily 
basis. We're going to encounter some truth today in God's Word. And every time we encounter God's Word, we are changed forever. Whether you accept the truth or not, we are held accountable for it. Now, the truth that we're going to encounter today is, is the fact that you and I are like sheep. Whether you like it or not, the Bible refers to us like sheep. We can try to avoid that thought. It doesn't always appear to be very flattering. But yet, over and over again, the Bible talks about us as being his sheep. Psalm 100 says, we are his people, and we are the sheep of his pasture. Yet, we may not want to be referred to as sheep. You see, sheep are virtually defenseless animals. I can think of a lot of animals I'd rather be than a sheep, an eagle, or a bear, or a tiger, or maybe even a dog, but, but a sheep, I, I don't know if that's what I would choose to be likened to. And most of these other animals, they have some way to defend themselves. It might be through sharp teeth. It might be through great speed that they would have, or, or camouflage, their ability to hide and be stealth, or, or maybe it's their strength, or the claws or talons that they have, but not so with sheep. They are awkward animals. They are weak. They are defenseless. Sheep lack a sense of direction. For some of us, it's hitting home now. You know that you don't have much sense of direction. You know, it's, it's not like cats or dogs who can find their way to different places. Sheep get lost very easy. They're easily frightened. In fact, if you study sheep, you can find that they can even die of thirst when water is close by because they get distracted and they get fearful of something. And they won't even drink when they know they, they need to drink the water around them. Who wants to be referred to as a sheep? Yet the scripture tells you and me that we are like sheep. We want to avoid it at all costs, not just because it's a, not a very flattering animal, but it elicits this idea that we need a shepherd. We need to be taken care of, and we want to be independent. We want to be self-sufficient. And yet the Bible says we're like sheep. And if this is true, and, and it is, that means you and I are in desperate need of a shepherd. Not once, not twice, not just one point in history, but every day ongoing. Let me show you why. John 10, 10 says this. Jesus is speaking. The thief... His purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The thief, or the wolf, or the predator has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And the shepherd wants to give a very satisfying life to them. But you and I have to acknowledge that we need a shepherd for this to take place. We are virtually defenseless. We lack direction. We are awkward. We are weak. We are easily afraid. We need a shepherd because there is a very real wolf, a very real predator, a very real thief who is after your soul. This is not a fairy tale this morning. This is not some kind of allegory. This isn't some kind of a, you know, find some little thought that you could maybe apply some in your life. This is real life stuff that Jesus gives to us. What I want to do today is walk through a very familiar passage of scripture, the 23rd Psalm. You say, Brady, I know that passage. Can't you preach on something else? That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we know this so well. There's a good percentage of you in here that could maybe even quote or quote part of this scripture for us today. But the question is not, do we know it? Can we recite it? Have we cross-stitched it on a pillow somewhere? Have we put it on a frame or some decoration in our house? But the question is, is it affecting how I live my life or how you live your life this afternoon? 
are probably better looked at tomorrow. Is your life any different because of Psalm 23 tomorrow? What does this passage say to us? Three things it talks to us about our shepherd and the need for a shepherd is this. One, the shepherd will provide for us. Now last week we saw Jesus, the lamb, was provided for us. But here Jesus, the shepherd, he is providing for us. More than just being provided for us, he is providing for us. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 23. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Or maybe your translation says, I shall lack nothing. That's incredible. What this is saying is, if the Lord is your shepherd, the Lord, the sovereign one, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has knit you together in your mother's womb, if he is your shepherd, you will not lack anything. Everything you need, you will have. You will not be in want. And yet the problem is, most of us live our life with an attitude of scarcity. We think that there's never going to be enough. We're always afraid that we're going to run out or something will run out that we need. We're not going to make it. We're not going to be able to survive on our own. It doesn't take too many months of an economic crisis to see our, our culture get all caught up in, in what, we're gonna, what are we going to do and, and what happens if I lose this. And yet the Christians often will fall into the same panic and fear. And could it be, possibly, there's more who claim the name of Jesus than those who claim Jesus as their shepherd. He's really not your shepherd because you have not acknowledged the need to be led in your everyday life. Scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. I should lack nothing. What happens is, fear comes in and begins to grip our heart. And the wolf, the thief, the predator, the enemy, he smells that fear and he causes havoc to run rampant in our life. You see, you will always be battling fear if you think that you are the primary provider in your life. If you view your role as to be the primary provider in your own life, you will always be plagued with fear. You say, well, Brady, I'm not a very fearful person. I'm not afraid of nothing. Well, you may be able to say that, but fear comes out in different ways. Pride, at its root, can sometimes be fear. We can have a sense of, of control or being overly controlling can have its root in some places, sometimes at fear. I, I'm afraid you may not view me the way I want you to view me. I'm afraid, and so I will put my, my best prideful foot forward. I, I'm afraid that the, the situation may not work out the way I want it to, so I'm going to try to control everything I can control. But, but whatever your reason is, if you feel like you're the primary provider in your life, fear can run rampant in your life. The reason you battle so much fear is you think it's your job. It's all on you. It's all about you. The enemy will feed on your fear. The shepherd, he provides. Now, he doesn't always provide everything that you want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want is different than I get everything that I want. I shall lack nothing that I need is different than I shall have everything that I could possibly imagine. You see... There's a big difference between the two. He doesn't always direct me where I want to go. And he won't always direct you where you want to go. But he always directs us where we need to go. If the shepherd is the one who is leading us, he knows more than we know. He has got our best interest at heart. And he will always lead us to the place where we need to be. Some of us here today, 
if we're really honest, we don't see God's provision in our life. And when you hear me talk about God being your provider or Jesus will provide for you, you're not trying to be rude, but you just check out and you go, not for me. Well, what has Jesus done for me lately? Uh, he died on the cross, and that's good, and I can kind of get out of hell, but, but Jesus providing for me? Don't you see the very real things that I'm up against, the things that I really want that haven't happened, the relationships that I'm so broken over? What has Jesus done for me? How is he my provider? And you see, we don't see God's provision because we are looking at what we want instead of what it is we need. When you're looking for what you want, not for what you need, you always miss God's provision in your life. The crazy thing is, a lot of us end up blaming God. While he is giving you what you need, you blame him for not being there and not giving you what you want in the midst of him providing for what it is you desperately need. The fact of the matter is that we're so consumed, so fixated in what we think it is that we want, that we can miss God at work. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He provides for me. Three things that he can provide for anyone who looks to him as their shepherd. The good shepherd provides contentment. Look at verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet or still waters. This refers to peace and contentment. How much peace do you have in your life? How content are you? For a sheep to be at peace or content, they must have a full belly, a full stomach. If their stomach is not full, they will spend their day standing looking for food to fill themselves with something, and they will not be content. They will not be at peace. Only when the Lord is your shepherd, and when you allow him to feed you things, when your stomach is full of what it is he's placing in your life, can you truly be content? He makes us lie down in green pastures. He allows us to feed on his word. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. While grass withers and flowers fall, God's word stands forever. Friend, when you, when you feed on God's word, there can be a satisfaction in your heart. Now, this is very different than just make a one-time decision. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I believe that my sins are bad, and I want him to, to get me out of hell. The decision is important. Don't misunderstand me. It's the beginning It's the very beginning part of an entire relationship with him. But this ongoing understanding that he is my shepherd who provides for me. And he gives me contentment by feeding me his words. Peace comes from that. It blows my mind how many Christians are not content and not at peace. Maybe Christians who are not content and not at peace are not allowing possibly Jesus to be their shepherd. He also provides restoration. Look at verse 3, the first part. He restores my soul. You may not know it, but your soul needs to be restored. When someone says to you, I am done with this marriage, I'm walking out, it crushes your soul. When your child walks out and says, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore, it crushes your soul. When that job that you've loved, you work so hard to get, you lose that job, it can feel like it crushes your soul. When the loved one that you've been so close to dies, it crushes your soul. When your soul is crushed, it needs to be restored. Your mind needs to be restored. And you battle depression. You battle fear. You battle anxiety. You battle deep bouts of gripping worry. When you're battling these things, it's tough to make good decisions. 
And sometimes, not always, but sometimes you just complicate the problems when your soul is crushed because you make decisions out of only what you feel and strictly off of emotions and things seem to get worse and worse. We can be moving right along. And this life will throw at you a situation, a pain, a hurt, a wrong that is dealt out to you that will feel like it crushes your very soul. You and I need restoration of our soul. The word restore means to bring back to its original state. Friends, I believe in counseling. I've been there and I've done that in counseling on both sides of the counseling table. And it can be a good thing, but don't misunderstand. There is only one person who can restore your soul, and that is Jesus, the shepherd. You're going to have hard times. And counseling is a good tool. It It can be a biblical, godly tool to use and necessary to use. But today, the shepherd is the only one who can restore your soul if you let him. He's the one that removes guilt. He's the one that releases the grief that is pent up in your heart. He is the one that can replace the grudge that is taking up valuable real estate in the recesses of your mind. He not only restores, he also provides guidance. This is, I I think, a first speed bump in this idea of relationship that maybe we feel more comfortable with just a decision to believe in Jesus than to have a relationship. We want guidance in some areas, but not in all areas. Look at verse 3. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think there's a lot of us that, that, that don't experience contentment or peace in our life because we don't allow the shepherd to guide us in every area of our life. And maybe you're here today and you say, Brady, this is my testimony. He is my shepherd. He is providing for me. He is restoring me. He is guiding me. Then let this be handles for why you are so in love with Jesus. He is guiding you. But friend, my heart is reaching out to those who possibly know about Jesus. You've been doing things for Jesus. You are a Christian, but are you really allowing him to be your shepherd? Are you allowing him to be the Lord of your life in this way? We begin to want him to lead us in certain areas of our life, but not every area of our life. We say, God, I need your wisdom to make this decision. And so we pray and we seek his wisdom here, but I really don't want his wisdom everywhere else. It's kind of like taking your GPS and you say, I want to get from point A to point B. I want to go on this trip, but I'm only going to look at and listen to the GPS at four-way stops. Every other turn, it's going to make my own decision. But at four-way stops... I'm going to listen to what that voice has to say. I'm going to look at the map and see which direction it wants me to go. But hey, I got some smarts. I've been driving for a number of years. I, I can just, I'll make the other decisions. So, GPS, I want your input. Redirect me only at four-way stops. But it gets even more absurd. Imagine how silly it would be if I find myself hours and I'm not at the destination I want to be and I get mad and I throw away the GPS and I say, this dumb thing doesn't work. Well, it's working fine, but I'm only listening to it at certain intersections, and I'm not allowing it to do what it's designed to do. It's to guide me every step of that journey. God, why? Why did you bring that person into my life? They have hurt me so much. Why have you allowed this to happen? I believe sometimes God says, I I didn't bring them into your life. They just cross paths with you. But if you would have listened to me, and if you would have followed me, then you would have never gotten into that relationship with them to begin with. See, the shepherd provides for us guidance. The shepherd will not only provide, he also protects. Look at verse 4. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Jesus gives us the ability to live above fear. The reason why I think that so many of us are so fearful is we don't really know God that well. Or it appears that we don't know God that well. See, God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. The reason why we fear is that we don't think that God can or we don't think that God will provide or protect us. It's an insult to God when we live our life in fear. what What I'm really saying is, God, you're not big enough to handle this. God, you can't or won't provide. You can't or won't protect me. I will fear no evil. Why? The psalmist says, because he is with me. Look at verse 4. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How is this comfort here? He is with him all the time. The shepherd never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And you don't have to be afraid of anything. Now, check this out. The wolf, the predator, the thief, he is not afraid of the sheep. He's afraid of the shepherd. And his rod is the protecting tool. To defend against the enemy. And when you are under the care of the shepherd, he protects you with his rod. He also corrects you. He also brings you in line with his staff. How close are you listening to your shepherd today? He is with me. He blesses me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, I, w- I want to warn you. You need to put a seatbelt on. I'm going to tell you something that some of you don't want to hear, okay? I'm just going just to tell you. Some of you are going to get mad. It's okay. I love you enough that we're going to get mad together and it's going to be okay. But let's let's look at God's word, what it's saying here. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If Jesus is my shepherd, he will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does this mean? How would you like to be blessed in the middle of a battle? You ever feel like you're in battle? Maybe you have a hard time listing your enemies. Maybe they come to mind pretty quickly. But who are the people that have greatly hurt you? Who are the people that are angry with you or you are angry with? Who are the people that you have the hardest time being around? Could you be blessed in the presence of those people? Yeah, we, we tend to say, oh, I don't know if I can work this job anymore. Why? Well, they're here. And one of us has to go. So i, I got to get out of here. What? I don't know if I can go to this church anymore. Why? They're here. Well, what do you mean? Well, they've done this, or I've done this, and I just can't... can't. I told you someone could get mad, okay? I tried to warn you. Just hang with me. But, but I, I, can't, I can't worship anymore because they're here. What? I, when I go to the grocery store, and I see that person walking down the aisle, I just got to turn around and leave the store. And I'm not talking about fleeing temptation. I'm talking about uh, I just can't be in the presence of that enemy, that one who, who I am so against. We have such a big problem. Friend, God's word says, when Jesus is your shepherd, he will prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. In essence, God wants to set up a table of blessing. He wants to feed you in the midst while they are there. Here's what God wants to do for you. The difference that your shepherd wants to do for you. He wants you to walk into a room. A room where there will no doubt at times be people who you may not like. They may not like you. Who you may be angry with. Who you may have angered them. And he wants to set up a table and allow you to feast on his word. To allow him to fill your heart. This is the nitty gritty aspects of the shepherd who provides for you, who protects you, and he blesses you in the midst of hard times. 
that's good preaching. I don't care if you like that or not. That's good. I need to hear that. I don't know if you need to hear that. I do. You know what else he does? He not only blesses me in the presence of enemies, he refreshes me. Look at verse 5, the second part. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Some reading I did this week about sheep and some old school shepherding techniques. I've never been a shepherd, but I can read about those who've got old school techniques. I'm told that sheep in the heat of the day is when they would eat. And and these flies would lay eggs in the nostrils of these sheep. And this parasite would grow in them. And it would literally drive these sheep crazy as they'd have flies in their nose. And eggs would be laid and they would just go nuts. And they would drive them crazy. Isn't that gross? But, But a good shepherd with some old school shepherding techniques would take some oil and put it on the nose of that sheep and it would almost be instantly you would see that sheep just kind of relax and begin to feed because the oil would, would, would distract and take away the flies and would begin to cause those parasites to leave that nasal cavity. Well, that's just some shepherding technique. I don't want to dare to say that that's the inspired word of God, but God's word tells us That oil, it symbolizes the presence of the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants an anointing in our life as Jesus is our shepherd. And when the Holy Spirit is on us, he can begin to set us free from the things that crawl up inside of us and that cause all kinds of problems in our life. He can refresh me. He will anoint my head with the Holy Spirit and his presence in my life will bring a refreshing to my very soul. See, Satan only has two weapons against you, fear and lies. No other authority unless we buy into fear and lies. And this can transform your life when you allow the shepherd to set you free from this. He'll not only provide for us and protect us. Third, and finally, he will promise us a few things. What does he promise us? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness. Let's look at that for a second. Goodness will always follow you. Now, this isn't saying that if you allow Jesus to be your shepherd, you will only have good things happen. Every day will be perfect, and you can sing the song, everything is awesome, all the time. That is not what it's saying. What this is saying to us is that if Jesus is my shepherd, he will take the horrific things, the tragic things, the painful things, and for those who trust him and love him, he can work good, he can bring good out of it. When we hurt, it breaks the heart of the Father, but he will work it all together, the good, the bad, the indifferent, and he will bring good into our life, but only if we allow him to be the shepherd. Mercy. It's not getting what I deserve, but getting the grace that God gives. He lavishes mercy on those who allow him to be their shepherd. Eternal life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, in his presence. It didn't get much better than that. I'm perplexed by individuals from time to time probably nobody in this room but you've met someone when you talk about being in the presence of god they just get a look on their face like oh it's so boring we're gonna be in the presence of god today oh i'm sorry i can't come i gotta wash my hair can't do that that excuse never works for me it didn't go over very well we're gonna be in the presence of god we're gonna have a great time meeting together oh that sounds good you know what i i gotta stay late at work Why is it that that we would resist being in the presence of God? Well, I think sometimes we may misunderstand. There may be some other reasons. But one is, if Jesus is not my shepherd, if I don't need anybody to 
provide for me. I don't need anybody to protect me. I don't need the promises that he has for me. Then sitting under that is anything but the best thing in, in the world. But for the one who allows Jesus to be the shepherd, I will dwell in his presence and the house of the Lord forever. It is the best place to be. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I need you. I need you every hour. Or is it best song? I need you only on certain decisions. Imagine with me if if we only had the ability to put like voice to our song on the things that match the desires of our heart. I wonder how silent it could be in certain church gatherings. Not this one, but other churches where we sing, I need you every hour. I do puppets. I don't know if you know that. I'm really good at puppets. I need you, Lord, every hour. Or do I just need you when I don't know what to do? You see, where we're going is we're looking at this relationship with Jesus. A decision, yes, but there is a daily encounter and walk that I think we've become so familiar with. We could have memorized it. We have taught it. We have facilitated discussions about it. We have walked around it. But when's the last time that you've experienced, you've had an encounter with Jesus, the shepherd? He's calling you. How do you know? How do you know if he is your shepherd? John 10 tells us, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own sheep. And they know me. Here's your clue. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Not listened once, way back when, but they listen. They continue to listen. They continue to follow me. I ask you, friend, are you listening, not just to me, but are you listening to Jesus, your shepherd, today? Are you planning on listening to Jesus, your shepherd, tomorrow? See, sometimes we look at this idea of listening as, as I will do what he says as long as it's something I'm okay with. Friend, that's partial obedience. Partial obedience is partial sin. <laughs> so I, I'm partially going to obey, but the other parts I'm not going to. But he says, hey, let me lead you. Now here's the cool thing. I'm not so good at saying this, but hopefully God is so much better at putting this on your heart. God isn't here today just going, yeah, take it, crack the whip, you bad sheep. No. The shepherd loves his sheep. He says, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I never created you to go do this on your own. Would you come close and let me feed you? Let I know you need rest today. Let me force you to lay down in green pastures. Let me bring contentment and a refreshing of your soul. Friend, I'm not asking you if you believe in Jesus. I'm not asking you if you're a Christian. I'm asking you, are you listening right now to your Jesus who's your shepherd? Are you willing to follow what he tells you to do? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this encounter we're having with your written word. Lord, would you make good on your promise that it doesn't come back void? Would you allow it to lead to an encounter with the living word in Jesus today? So, Lord, as I started, would you you cause the words that I've shared that may be in the way to fall quickly from my brothers and sisters' ears? And, Lord, would you allow your truth to penetrate their heart today? Lord, would it encourage them 
where they begin to see the, the love gift you're calling us to in a relationship where you provide for us, you protect us, you have promises you want to pour out on us, but you call us to listen and to follow. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity you're giving to us today. In your name I pray, amen. Church, in response to God's word today, would you stand with me and let's, let's sing this song together as our response to the word.